All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. You guys don't sound as excited as the kids do that are leaving. Good. Good. Man, it is cold out there this morning. I don't, I don't know about you guys. Coronavirus has seriously messed up my just understanding of time. And so I keep on forgetting it's winter. And uh, I was like, man, it's, it's really cold. And I was like, well, yeah, it's late January. It's supposed to be cold. So I guess this shouldn't be really surprising, but it is nonetheless. So thank you all for coming out in this cold weather. In every war, there will be soldiers that desert the army they are supposed to be fighting for. Some of these deserters are folks that never wanted to be a part of the war in the first place. They were drafted to serve. Others willingly sign up to fight, and then they ran away. At some point, their belief in the cause was overcome by fear of dying for that cause. It is not hard to understand the motivation for desertion. The excitement of fighting in a war wears off pretty quickly when you see friends get killed and realize you might be next. It is actually amazing that more soldiers don't flee the battlefield. Christians sometimes desert their faith as well. Last week, we focused on Judas' betrayal of Jesus, which is surely the worst possible form of desertion. This week, we are going to be looking at Peter's denial of Jesus. When Jesus was at his most vulnerable, Peter and the rest of the disciples deserted him. Their reasons for doing so are the same reasons soldiers in wars make themselves scarce. The reality of war isn't what people expect it to be. The reality of Christianity fails to line up with the expectations many people have when they sign on. The more we know what is coming as Christians, the more we can stand firm in the midst of the battle. God wants us to know what is coming so that we can be prepared. He wants us to stand firm in the face of trials. Peter thought he was ready to follow Jesus anywhere. He wasn't. From his failure, we can learn. Please turn with me now to Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. That's page 829 if you're using the Pew Bible. Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. Hear the word of the Lord. Then they, they is the crowd, seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. 
Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. How would you respond to the questions and accusations directed at Peter in these verses. I probably wouldn't have been there in the first place. I think I would have stayed back with wherever the other disciples were. Peter following Jesus to the house of the high priest is a pretty bold move. Him getting questioned there isn't a surprise. Unfortunately, Peter wasn't prepared for the challenges he faced. He should have been. He thought he was, but he obviously was not. Jesus had made it pretty clear what following him was going to involve. Peter finds himself in a particularly precarious position. Jesus has just been arrested by a crowd led by Judas. We talked about this last week. Somebody he thought of as a friend. He has no idea how to respond. What is the standard operating procedure when the Messiah gets arrested? Peter's initial emotional response was hand-to-hand -hand combat, but Jesus made it clear that was not what he wanted. Every option available to Peter seems bad. He could stay by Jesus' side, but what, what would that really accomplish? He could run away, but where would he go? He decides to follow Jesus at a distance. This is a sort of middle ground strategy. The problem is Peter can only follow Jesus from a distance for so long. The crowd that arrested Jesus arrives at the home of the high priest. Peter can no longer stay back in the shadows. Doing so would have been suspicious if you're at a house and there's just somebody walking around the outside of the house, just outside of the light, you're gonna wanna know what's going on with that person. So he decides to come into the light. As soon as he does, those present want to know where his allegiance lies. Is he with Jesus? In response to the questioning accusations, Peter tries to separate himself from Jesus while not abandoning him completely. 
He ends up denying Jesus three times. His middle-of-the-road strategy fails. Jesus cannot be followed from a distance indefinitely. For a while, you can get away with it. You just sort of you drift along with the crowd. All you have to do is stay quiet. Keep your head down. They will assume you are one of them. In your head, you will know that you are not, but they don't need to know. Just keep to yourself. Eventually, you will have to state clearly where your loyalties lie. Some situation will arise in which no wiggle room is possible. Silence, trying to stay under the radar, means you are complicit. We live in a culture where our faith, our religious beliefs, are supposed to be a private matter. That is what we are told. So long as you go along with the crowd, nobody will particularly care what you claim to believe. Just keep it to yourself. Follow Jesus from a comfortable distance. That is what reasonable people do. At some point, every person who claims to follow Christ will have to make their commitment known in a way that costs them something. At school, you will have to stick up for that kid that is being bullied. Those with jobs will have to take a stand against a business practice that is profitable, but immoral. The middle ground ends up being a denial of Jesus. You end up being forced to echo Peter's words, Woman, I do not know him. Man, I do not know what you are talking about. The decisions we make in difficult circumstances show where our ultimate commitment actually is. Are we committed to this world or are we committed to Christ? Jesus and this world are at war. In this war, Jesus is aggressive. He is fighting an offensive battle, taking the fight to all who resist his reign. We easily lose sight of this. We think of Jesus as gentle and lowly. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. While it is true that Jesus is gentle with those that have been broken by this world, he is not sitting around allowing the status quo of this world to continue. Jesus came to crush evil in this world. He makes his enemies a footstool, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. The powers of darkness, they are well aware of this. Back in Luke 8, demons cried out to Jesus, What do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, I beg you, don't torture me. They know what is at stake. The war that Jesus fights with the powers of this world is an existential battle. Jesus is not willing to compromise. 
The minions of evil would gladly agree to maintaining the status quo. From their perspective, what is not to like about the present order of things? They are like an army that has conquered vast amounts of territory that has serious concerns about being able to resist the impending counterattack. They know what Jesus is capable of. He will not accept the present order. This world belongs to him. He came to take it back. As long as any power other than him is ruling, that means injustice reigns. It means people are suffering and dying. Up to this point in Luke's gospel, there are many opportunities for Jesus to back down. He never does. All he would have to do is just quit being so aggressive. Just accept the status quo. In the coming hours of his life, Jesus will have more opportunities to retreat. Different answers to the high priest would have led to a different outcome. Pilate was looking for an excuse not to kill him. Jesus continues his steady march. He knows what's coming, how unpleasant it will be for him. He moves forward due to an absolute unwillingness to see the status quo continue. Every person who wants to follow Christ must choose to follow him as he initiates conflict with this world or turn away from him. Peter's heartfelt intention was to follow Jesus wherever he went. This is what he said he wanted to do. Peter hasn't even had another meal since he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. When he said it, he meant it wholeheartedly. Now his commitment is being tested. Back when he said he would follow Jesus, everything was a lot more simple. The consequences of doing what he said, they were in the future, they were theoretical. If Peter lets the people who are badgering him know that he is with Jesus, there will be consequences. Who knows what will happen next? Death is possible, imprisonment is likely. Following Jesus will eventually put everyone in a situation where there is a choice. Where there is a choice between continuing to follow him and turning away to maintain the status quo. If you have never experienced what Peter is experiencing on some level, that is a strong indication that you are not really following Jesus at all. Following him inevitably leads to conflict with the world. Following Jesus is hard. Jesus had warned Peter this was the case before. Way back in Luke 9, he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. 
if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Peter is seeing this prophecy fulfilled before his eyes. He has to decide if he will take up his own cross. War is a lot more appealing before you are in the midst of a battle. At this moment when Peter can clearly see what the consequences of following Jesus might be, he balks. His instinct for self-preservation takes over. He lies to save himself. Anyone that cannot understand why Peter reacts the way he does to his accusers has an exaggerated sense of confidence that would crumble when faced with a similar situation. When forced to choose death to self through following Christ or life without Jesus, Peter chooses the latter. His commitment fails. Peter deserts Jesus. He runs away from the battle. To follow Jesus in spite of the adversity that arises when doing so, believers must love Jesus more than they love themselves. Jesus cannot be separated from his mission. He is pure mission. He is the personification of God's love. Every other person who has ever existed approaches life with a mixed bag of motives. Jesus does not. His driving ambition is to love. No person can say, I love Jesus Christ. But I am not on board with his mission. His mission is inseparable from who he is. Those who love Jesus will share his mission. Peter is not willing to be a part of the mission the way it is playing out. In rejecting Jesus' mission, he is rejecting Jesus personally. Verse 60 through 62 of today's text record the tragic interaction when Peter realizes he has turned away from following Jesus. Peter denies Jesus the third time, and immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter's heart is broken by the realization he has denied Christ. In this trying circumstance, Peter's love for Jesus was not strong enough. Many have an idea of who Jesus is that they love. Peter certainly did. We know Peter tried to tell Jesus who he should be. Back in Matthew 16, in another place where Jesus prophesied his death, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, 
Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are setting your mind not on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter was all for Jesus being the Messiah. He just had a clear idea of what that entailed that did not correspond to who Jesus actually was. People today have versions of Jesus they love as well. There is the version of Jesus that prioritizes emotional comfort for the individual. He's really popular right now. There are variations of American Jesus, different political breeds. The versions of Jesus people love are manifold. But Jesus is not a Build-A-Bear or an American Girl doll. You don't just get to construct the version of Jesus that you like. You don't get to pick one out of a lineup. Jesus isn't going to become anything different than what he is. He will not change his mission to suit anyone else's preferences. When you are perfect, as Jesus is, one with the Father, you don't have to change. His refusal to adjust is what inevitably results in him standing alone at this moment. After Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, Peter again finds himself in a circumstance where he gets asked the same question three times. This interaction is recorded in the Gospel of John. Three times, Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. Three times Peter answers in the affirmative. He now loves Jesus as he actually is. And three times Jesus says in slightly different ways that if Peter loves him, he will adopt Jesus' mission. Peter will do what Jesus has done. He will love the people Jesus gives him to love. At the end of this interaction, Jesus makes clear Peter's commitment to love him through continuing his mission will cost him his life. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to. To go. Peter's love of Jesus will have the same result Jesus' love had. Peter will end up on his own cross. If we truly love Jesus, we will continue his mission. We will repent of trying to have him be what we want him to to be whatever would maintain the status quo that we are comfortable with. 
We will love him for who he actually is. Our love of Christ will be our motivation as we fight battles on his behalf in this world that he is taking back. Loving Christ will lead us to living out his mission. We will love the people Jesus loves. Doing so will be costly. Peter's love of Jesus failed at a critical moment. He thought he loved Jesus. He only had an idea of what Jesus should be that he loved. When it came down to it, Peter's love of Jesus was selfish. When it turned out loving Jesus was going to require a level of sacrifice Peter hadn't considered, he denied Christ. He preserved himself. If we love anything more than we love Jesus Christ, we will eventually deny him for that thing. An event will arise where we have to choose between the worldly thing we value our comfort, our kids, our pride, our wealth, our very lives, and Christ. That is the nature of war. We must love Jesus more than all the available options in this world. Anything less will eventually result in our denial. It may seem that the love of Jesus Christ places too great a burden upon us. But it is no greater than the burden loving us placed on Jesus. Jesus Christ loved you and I so much that he gave up everything to be in a relationship with us. If we were are to love him fully, we can't expect anything less to be required of us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there are so many things in this world uh, that we are tempted to love. Our, our own comfort, all the, the status quo that we would like to see maintained, Lord. And when we come to, to times of testing, to times of trial, to battle, it is easy to turn away from you due to our desire to love other things, Lord. I pray that we would love you in truth, that we would love you as you are, that we would not try to form you to our own preferences, Lord. And that through that love that you would work, Lord, that you would continue to make this world the place that you desire it to be. I ask that you would give us wisdom and strength, and most of all, that through your spirit, you would cause the love of Christ to grow within us. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.